Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells, and today in the studio I have Steve Reinhard, and he is from Colorado Springs. Hi, Noah. Hello. And I have Tim Lester, he's from Maryland. Hello, Noah. And I have Terry Kraft, and he is from Grand Junction. Hey, Noah. Hey. Uh, I think today we're going to have Terry Kraft tell us a story, and then Steve will get into it. All right. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, we just uh, recorded one podcast, and we took a little break and uh, recording another one. Uh, During the break, I mentioned this story. that apply to my own life that I wanted to share. And it has to do with um, recognizing what we already have. And I think as believers, as Christ followers, uh, we have Jesus uh, as our life. He is our life. And that's the central message of the Abiding Life Ministries International. Uh, and I had a, a story that I wanted to share. I I love to play mandolin and guitar, uh, very amateurish, but I love to play. And so uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law from Kansas, uh, they're, they're always antiquing, looking for uh, bargains. And I've got probably half a dozen uh, old instruments uh, that they've given me over the years uh, that hang on the wall or whatever. And one time, it's probably 15 years ago, they gave me this, uh, what turned out to be a banjo ukulele. It looked like a ukulele, but it had a banjo head on it. And so I got it, and that's nice, and uh, let it sit around the living room for a while. Then it got relegated to the shed. And uh, I think about, and that's probably 15 years ago, but maybe five years ago, I had a fellow at my church come up to me, and he said, you know, I have this instrument musical instrument. I don't know what it is. I'm wondering if you could tell me what it is. And I said, sure, bring it to church next Sunday and I'll take a look at it. And he brought it in. And uh, after church, I went, uh, he took me out to the parking lot and opened uh, his trunk up and there was this uh, case. And I opened it and lo and behold, it was exactly like this banjo ukulele that I had. And I said, oh, wow, I got one just like it, almost identical. He goes, really? And uh, so I told him, you know, what it was. And he said, well, you think you could fix it up? And so my granddaughter could play it. And I said, sure. So I took it home with me. I'm going to order some new strings and a new bridge for it and just kind of get it playable. But at that time, I thought, well, I have one, the same thing. So uh, when I ordered the, uh, the materials, I ordered enough for my uh, ukulele, too. So it came in and... Uh, Anyway, I, you know, put new strings and new bridge on it. And before I gave it back to him, I, I was uh, just fiddling around with it. I don't play ukulele, so I didn't know the chords, but I got on the Internet and learned a few basic chords. And I started fiddling around and said, wow, this is, this is fun. This is really cool. And so uh, I gave it to him, took it back to church, gave it to him. And then after that, I started playing my own and started learning more chords and this type of thing. And then it suddenly realized, I suddenly realized that, you know, I had that ukulele for probably 10 or 15 years, Mm -hmm. but I did not recognize, I didn't realize I had it. Uh, I had it, but I didn't have it. And I think uh, it reminded me sometimes of my life, uh, how I live my life in Christ. Mm -hmm. He is my life. I know that. I accept him as Lord, 
but yet I sometimes I don't recognize his power and what he can do in my life. So it was just a story about how, you know, we can have something, we can possess something, but then don't really recognize what we really have. And I think, um, you know, Christ in our life has to be a revelation from God mm-hmm. of his, uh, what he can do. So anyway, turned out, I think a year after that, I made a little sermon out of it and uh, presented it at my church. But I just thought it was a interesting story of how mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't recognize what we have and that's mm-hmm. Jesus in us. And so let's remember that. Absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks Terry for sharing that with us. I think that's, yeah, what a beautiful story. And, and it's so cool that you recognized what you already had and then started enjoying it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that really ties in well with what we want to talk about. We're kind of going backwards really want to talk about uh, ways to do that, ways to recognize what we are already possessing. Because we're one in Christ, we're, we're, we're placed in Christ, we have a lot of things that we don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and like you mentioned, that's a revelation. Sometimes I'm, not, I'm kind of impatient for the revelation. I don't know about you guys, but I really was like, oh, I really want that revelation. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling a little impatient and... And maybe I'm open for the revelation. Maybe it's not so much impatient as it is I really want to connect with the Lord and find out just a little bit of what those riches are that I already have in Christ. Like, you know, like I've got a whole, I got a whole building full of junk like that of stuff that I've forgotten I've even have that I want to go through. And I find that, you know, it's a really an asset of something that I have in Christ. And so, so I'm thinking to myself as though, well, there's maybe there's something I can actually, because I'm open to discovering that maybe there's a, a way to, or a tool to use to kind of mine those riches. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and Tim was talking to, to us the other day about some of the training he does back in Maryland. I've heard about it before. And I kind of feel like it's one of those things like you were talking about. It's kind of like a ukulele we've kept hidden in the shed and, mm-hmm. And I'd just like to bring it out and dust it off and say, well, maybe this is a great asset, a great tool that would be helpful to me and my friends and maybe some of the other folks that listen mm-hmm. to this podcast, mm-hmm. which is Tim has got this cool training, these foundations of abiding, which would be like, I'm guessing would be foundations of recognize recognition mm-hmm. fa- foundations of the foundation stones of recognizing what we have in Christ is that right Tim? absolutely so could you go through just like briefly how the how your foundations sure. um, training works sure and uh, let me just say as a brief introduction one of the things that really frustrates me and while I have training uh, both in the field of theology and psychology if anybody's interested uh, one of the things that really frustrates me, there's a whole line of thinking out there <clears throat> that sort of assumes something, that if I if I talk about something long enough, you know, I'll finally get over it, I'll get healed, or I'll get I'll get better. And uh, I, <laughs> I told one fellow the other day, listen, I don't even know that I know anybody smart enough to talk me through that kind of stuff. And, and not only that, I know I'm not smart enough. And so the assumption of our training is this that uh, there's a way that we can recognize the reality of what's going on in, in our own life and there's a recognition of what Christ actually can and does do in our life. Uh, 
so that I can experience this thing he talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10, life to the full. And so let me just tell you a little bit about that training, if that's okay. Uh, and can we interrupt if we yeah. have questions? Sure. Absolutely. So, Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, you know, uh, let me put it to you this way. If I had a dream about this, and it wouldn't be that we'd be opening up little abiding life offices, but that there'd literally be people within a day's drive or a half day's drive anywhere, at least in the U.S. and other places as well. But I'm just talking about the U.S. right now that uh, somebody could drive anywhere in the U.S., and if they were just wondering about how to get onto this life thing you were talking about earlier in the other broadcast, Steve, that uh, somebody could just sit down with them very simply and help them recognize what Christ would do on their behalf. And so that's that's my heart. Uh, I don't. Uh, so here's what the training looks like. The first thing we do if you're going to come to training is is we actually give you some prerequisites and uh and it's not that we qualify you as a person that you got to be a good enough person it's just things that we want you to participate in before you come to training and some of those things are this um, we ask that you have either attended an abiding life basic seminar or listened to it on the cds or tapes uh or on a on a streaming and and I frankly would like for you to listen to that a couple of times we suggest that uh uh, you read Sidetracked in the Wilderness and also Problems, God's Presence, and Prayers. We're not trying to sell books. We want you to come prepared to really understand how you can sit down with somebody one-on-one and in a very practical way show them how they can experience the abundance of life Christ offers. A couple other prerequisites are we have a thing at Abiding Life Ministries called a unique self-test. Some people might call it a personality test. What I really like about this particular test is it, it it doesn't try to be complicated at all. It just describes what's normal for you. And here's the other thing I like about it. It doesn't presume that the person giving you the test, if the person, and like if I were giving it to somebody, it doesn't presume I'm smart at all. All it does is describe what's normal and natural for you. And uh, one of one of the things that we spend time, quite a little bit of time helping you do is to show people who God created him to be, just the normal person he created him to be without trying to do a pep talk. And those things are always going to be who you are. You ought, to, ought not go changing that. So that's another prerequisite. And another thing we ask you to do is we give you a series of questions, and it's not so I can go over them or my wife Karen who helps me do the training, but uh, literally so you can discover what your history or some people it's sort of popular today to talk about your story and uh, so the idea is, is that we'll give you some questions so that you can literally answer questions for your history. The reason that becomes important is when you come to training, uh, we're going to ask you to take a history, and we'll, we'll make sure that you know how to do that, but how you use that in a person's life. So that's sort of the prerequisites of the thing. Uh, any, any questions about that? I wanna, I'll briefly go over some of these other things, but uh, any particular questions about that or comments for that matter? Well, I think the unique self-test, um, I remember when I took it many, many years ago, uh, it really helped to understand there isn't any you know, good or bad, right or wrong. It's just understanding our personalities and how we interact with each other. And it, it cleared up a lot of misconceptions about, oh, this guy is just an idiot. And maybe, well, that's it's kind of how he is, yep. you know. And we, so it's, I think it's a very... <laughs> Very valuable it's true. tool, unique self-test. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
<laughs> no yeah. comment. No comment. Yeah, I'm the guy he's looking at. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> well, and I mean, one of the big things for me, I mean, just on a personal level, the reason the unique self-test really helped me out a lot is, um, you know, the most unkept secret in the, on the planet is, is I, if life was perfect, we would do everything off the hip. In other words, we just kind of do it spur of the moment. I'm pretty impulsive and so on and so forth. Uh, but I have actually had believers my whole life tell me that because I'm fairly impulsive in the way I do things, and I understand that can go out of control, uh, that I really wasn't a very disciplined Christian, uh, that I was somehow substandard, and I never really know the deep things of God because I'm, you know, ha- have a sort of an approach, impulsive approach to life. And uh, one of the best things in the world it did for me when I took the unique self was to realize God strung me up to operate a certain way, and shock of all shocks, Jesus could use even me the way I am. He's going to express himself in a very unique way through I am. And so that's what was helpful. So those are some of the prerequisites that you do. Right. So, yeah. I, so, so, I, so I like that. I, mean, I honestly don't like the unique self self-left because I am the – I am – I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper it. Noah told me I can't cuss. Um, okay, we'll just say I'm not the nice person. Yes. Sometimes we'll just what we'll just leave it at that. But um, yeah, but I love that you're a doer, Steve. Yeah. Well, because I can say whatever I want to, you and it won't hurt your feelings. I know that. That's what I like. I know that's the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> but so. So the thing I do like about it is, and I and I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in our previous podcast, is it does two things for us, that if we look at it from the big picture, Terry mentioned one, it helps us accept other people, mm-hmm. which yeah. is incredibly important for our inter- in our interpersonal relationships. If you, like, if you didn't accept me for who I was, my doer, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have a lot of heartburn. Yeah. And if I didn't accept him for being impulsive, and I don't think he's impulsive, I just think he's spontaneous. <laughs> and uh, Good. I, I'm beginning to like you more, yeah. Steve. <laughs> I like because I like spontaneous anyway. So I think that so that helps that helps us both in our interpersonal relationship. Mm-hmm. And if and if Tim doesn't accept that he's spontaneous then he's not accepting himself like God mm-hmm. made. So it helps us in two ways yeah. that I see. It helps us to accept one another, and it really helps us to accept ourselves as Absolutely. God. And it helps us all to recognize that, hey, we're, we're God. God's in charge, and he made us all different. And, we can, and if we can accept each other that way and accept ourselves, man, we are like, that's money in the bank. That's exactly right. So I'm so glad you, you're doing that in this training. And so are there other... Uh, you guys have any other questions on these prerequisites? If somebody doesn't do the prerequisites, can they still come? Yes. Like they, if I just say, hey, I'm not doing that? Yep, you, you can. The only thing is, is we're not going to slow down when you come to let you catch up. In other words, we do it over a four-day weekend. Okay. And so there's a lot to be, you know, there's a lot so to So I'll be do. at a disadvantage if yes. I don't do it. That's the only thing. Yeah. This is not some rule-keeping thing where you have to get it just right. It's just there's some things that you're going to struggle with, and it's hard enough to work with things that you aren't familiar with. We're just trying to familiarize you as much as possible before you come because, frankly, if we waited and did that, what we ask you to do in prerequisite, it would take a whole day to catch you up to where – you're going to be when you come now because yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of work that the yes. person has to do before they actually Absolutely. show up maybe maybe more than 
you know, maybe a week's worth of work or something uh, at least. At least. Well, independent, I'm a slow reader because I'm uh, not not nearly as bad as uh, Noah is, but I'm a bit dyslexic. So, you know, if you can't if you can't read fast, it's going to take you weeks to read the book. Not because the books are that big, mm-hmm. but it just depends on how. Well, so. and listening to or watching the the basic training takes some time. So, yeah, so all is. that stuff gets me up to speed, and right. then I show up at your place for right. and it's four days. You said four full days of training. We and, go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And so then, what what would be the foundation stones if we were to look at it as foundations? What are what are the building blocks of the foundations sure. that you're going to cover with us well so we answer three simple questions you can phrase them however you want there's nothing magical about one one is is why do i act the way i do how and why do i act the way i do okay and we're not saying assuming everything you do is bad uh, or socially inappropriate or even necessarily sin but the truth is is we act and react a certain way in life and there's lots of things that contribute to that and so the first question, honestly, and I'll go back and give you a little bit more detail about that in a minute. But so that's the first question. Why is it I find myself acting the way I do? We ask you to look at it for yourself, but also we give you tools to help determine while, uh, why other people would act and react the way they do. So that's the first question. Second question is very simple. If there's something in all of that that I feel like needs a shift or a change, how do I stop without effort? Because uh, here's the assumption. We all have got a, probably a list of things that we l- would have liked to have had out of our life or that we think is inappropriate or that needs to change and so on. If we could have changed it, we've already done it. And uh, now if, there's a, if, I re- if I said that second question in a different way, I would just say it like this. What does Christ do on my behalf to bring me to the place I need to come? So the whole emphasis of this, you find out very quickly, is what Christ is doing on my behalf, not what I've got to do. Because the training is not about, we've got some secret, and if you'll just do what we tell you to do and doing it exactly the way we tell you to do it, you know, it's like putting a little, pushing a little magic button, and all of a sudden everything turns out right. So that's the mm-hmm. second question. And the third question is this, uh, how do I stay on track? Uh, so does it, would another way to be would to be what do I do if I get off track? Uh, Same yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Or would it, yeah, or or what? more specific, how does Christ creep me on track? Because the truth is, it is inevitable I'm going to go off track. It's not a if it happens; it's when it happens. And what does Christ do to bring me back in the way? Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. And so, uh, and so let me just give you a little bit of detail, a little bit more detail. Back to the first question, so how do I act and, and why do I act that way? And uh, because I hate reading and I do almost everything I do from memory, although you will receive a notebook at the training, um, I, I use all kinds of things to help me remember things. And so the first one is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everybody knows the song. Everybody knows the movie. The good, the bad, the ugly, and then a thing I call the rut. And um, the good's very simply, just like we were talking about before, God created you in a very particular way. And not only do you need to accept that in yourself, but you, you need to recognize that God created people a particular way. And so the problem comes when people start having expectations that their mate or their friends ought to act in a particular way when God he never strung them up to operate that way. 
And sometimes the problem ends up being, and again, we help people flush this out, we actually define spirituality by a particular way to do life, you know, more disciplined or less disciplined and so on. So that's the good, the bad. Then the good, the bad, the bad and the ugly, we really unpack why it is any of us, when we go to to a dark place, a wrong place, a sinful place, a failure place, a, uh, whatever words you want to use, why it is we end up acting and reacting the way they do. And so example I'd give you of that is this. I'd mentioned on another broadcast, if you want to see me pretty quickly head into a depressed place, just tell me you don't like me or say something that would lead me to believe that. Now, I'm grateful because Christ has done things for me that, I, that, again, I'm not living to that so much anymore. But uh, the thing that I would tell you is, and I would use this as an example in the training, it is typical for my unique self, because I've got a lot of feeler in me, to get upset if somebody doesn't like me, as opposed to some of the other tem- temperaments wouldn't have as much a reaction to that. But we also talk about what it is that's been going on inside me that takes me to a really dark place with that. And that's why we look at a person's history. And so if you come to training, Steve, and uh, you had done your history, one of the things we'd ask you to do is kind of plug. There's some little models we use, if you will, and we ask you to turn your history into those models and just kind of plug it into those models. And so it's, it's an understanding for yourself. But as you're tracking through with your history, it helps you understand what you're going to do with other people. So can you, can we do like some like really quick role play only? We won't be yeah. role playing. So just go ahead and like, let me plug something in. Sure. Go. Um, I don't know. Don't give me, ask, give me a question. Uh, a question that I might give people. No, that you would ask me to plug into my, for my history that you could like do what you just did. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, so, uh, Steve, uh, tell me about one of your, I don't want you to tell me about some dark ugly that you, who knows is going to listen to this, but, uh, why don't you tell me about one of the hurts in your life? Cause that's part of our history is we have hurts and a hurt is anything that when I'm driving down the road, I just go, man, I wish that had never happened. Okay. I, I've, I've got a great one. I was going through okay. my junk. Yeah. I told, I told okay. you I'm going through my junk. Right. I, get, I read an email from, from one of my sons and he tells me. It really beautifully and, and honestly how I failed him okay. and um, and didn't listen to him and kind of pushed him in ways that uh, oh I'd look back and I was like oh I regret saying that okay and uh, so th- so for and I still feel hurt from it right okay okay Is that good so, so that's that's a hurt yeah and, and we could name dozens that people have right guys mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely yeah all right so the next question i would ask you and by the way this is exactly what you would do if you were talking to somebody else is one of the things we train you to do uh-huh. i'd say okay steve when that originally happened if it's been a long time ago or if it just happened you can speak to right now what did you feel at that moment whether or not you think it's legit or not i just want to know what did you feel Okay, so I felt I felt a lot of regret and and guilty. Okay, and and what did if you had to define yourself at that moment when you were feeling regret and guilt, how would you describe you? Um, I think it, I would describe myself as a bad person. Okay, uh, in what way? Um, I'd probably say that I really blew it as a dad. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were a failure as a dad. Yeah. Now, whether or not that was true or not, it doesn't even matter. Right. 
because when we feel something and it's we really we've gotten squeezed by somebody saying that or we're looking at our failure right in front of us uh it it feels like it's as real as it can possibly be and right. it may or may not be right oh well, yeah absolutely okay. i still yeah. feel that way yeah okay so so when you either then or now mm-hmm. when you feel that way there are things we do to feel better what would you say are things good and bad that you've done over the years when you've had situations like that or this particular situation to actually make yourself feel better at the moment um do i have to be honest or can i just like make stuff up? well you can do whatever you want to do okay well <laughs> like my go-to thing is blame okay. so instead of uh, recognizing that yeah i really did like i blame my son for you know for just being a, a kid i mean he right. did he was like great son but i would still come up with something to put him down or blame him or, okay. or, or, or run from any responsibility on my part. Well, and, oh, I also love ice cream. So I'd probably eat ice cream. Um, I, I might, um, I might drink a beer. Okay. You know, there's a lot of things I would probably do. All of them would be not, not really healthy for me or other people around. Right. So all those things are things... I might even kick my dog, and I love my dog. Okay. Well, so so all those things are things that you do when you feel a certain way under pressure to feel better. Yep. Now, we can give it all kinds of fancy names. We're playing psychologists. We'd say those were your coping mechanisms. Uh, But the bottom line is, is what we do to survive. Yeah, it's yeah. as simple as that. So you go through this, and this yeah. is one of the foundation things. I don't want to get a sidetracked. Yeah, I understand because I, you know, I still want to blame my son. So right, right, right. I, I want to, <laughs> but I want to be able to get us uh, just. So that's one. That's a good example that, of something that, a, that we would do. Absolutely, it's a perfect example. And what we do then is because you have your unique self and the persons that you're going to be working with. Then we take their unique self and we take the hurts that they have in life. And the whole goal of the first question is very simple. To show why we come undone. Oh, okay. That, that's it, is why we come undone. We're not out, because the truth is, is, for instance, you name four things. Those things that you mentioned, in some circles, some of those wouldn't even be considered bad. Mm, sure. They're more socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. But if you said, well, you know, I go and shoot co- up cocaine when I get like that, or I do something more unacceptable. I, I'm more, more likely to go shoot a person. But. Okay, well, there you go. And so so the point is, is our goal is not to beat you up yeah. or the person, yeah. but just to help them understand, look, right, wrong, or indifferent, this is how I arrived at where I'm at today. So you're going to accept me if I come back, and you'll you'll accept me no matter what? Absolutely. Okay, well, Absolutely. That's, that's a relief. And one of the things we want to do if somebody, so again, one of the things we spend a lot of time doing is trying to help this person because the people that come to training for us are going to be working with other individuals. And every one of the, the four guys in this room have looked at other people before and said, man, I can't believe they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And sort of arrogantly presume that we're better than everybody else. And the truth is, and uh, our friend Mike said this for years, if you knew what that person had experienced over and over again, you might not be doing as well as they are. Just because you don't agree with the things that they've done to survive life uh, uh, doesn't mean you'd be doing any better than them if you'd experience the kind of hurt and pain they'd experience. So that's the whole first point of the first question. Cool. Is to help that person for training, help you understand, but to help that person that you're going to be working with to understand how they got to where they were. That's great because I learn so much more when I'm trying to teach or train somebody than I do when I'm just 
trying to learn. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. would be uh, identifying our idols. Would Absolutely. that be another way of saying it? Absolutely. And if an idol is anything we run to under pressure, then that's all we're doing is helping them see that. Oh, that's helpful, Tim. Okay, good, good. Uh, so the second que- the second question we answer is is uh, what does Christ do to get me out of this mess? Uh, how do I I uh, you know how do I stop without effort? Whatever phrase you want to use. Okay, can we just keep our same role playing going? Sure. Okay, so I actually did say these really dumb things to my son back when he was in college, and it's like, oh, I regret saying that it was weird. Just right. like complete. I was, you know, I'm beating myself up. I'm going, what a complete moron. And I and I knew and I. And, but I'm, I'm so, I admire him so much because he told me how he felt mm-hmm. and told mm-hmm. me what he was going through. And, uh, you know, but it's still, I can't undo that, right? Right. So, um, so with the, the second question was, how, how can I stop or change without effort? And then how does Christ do that on my behalf? Yeah. So what, what we would do then is a very simple this. And again, I'll, let me tell you what we do. And then we yep. use the role play just a little bit is very simply this. Uh, again, I use my little words, so something's got to go, there's something got to flow, there's something you got to know, and there's got to end the status quo. Isn't that clever? <laughs> so, but the bottom line is, is there's a huge emphasis on this, that you don't have a prayer of ever making a shift, a change in behavior, a change in attitude. There's nothing you can do to go from where you were in that bad place with your son and your reaction to him Unless Christ actually, one, comes inside you and then begins to do things in you that you're incapable of doing yourself. And so what we do is show literally the transformation that takes place. And what Christ does, and the thing about it is, is we talk a lot about how a lot of believers have Christ in them, but they never knew that Christ had, had affected this change in them. They'd actually become somebody else new. A second thing they don't, but they have no clue about how to access all this that Christ has already done in them to actually bring about a shift. And it's not about what they do. It, so one of the practical things we do is show people specifically how at a given moment, if you would have turned to Christ, Meaning, and all we mean by turning to Christ is say, Jesus, I'm here, and I just did a boneheaded thing in responding to my son. And it would probably be a really good idea if I didn't keep doing that. And by the way, Jesus, I'm miserable. And we describe to them what Christ will do for a believer who will abide or remain or to connect to Christ at that particular moment. And, and a huge emphasis is on what Christ does in the believer's mind, will, and emotions to bring about a shift, including placing desires in them, including healing, healing the hurt that they received from that son when the son said the truth to them, and to give them not only a new direction, but actually the ability to obey. So I would tell you in that scenario with your son, I'd say, well, listen, how about this? I agree. All those things are uh, what you said to him and your reaction to him. Yep, that, that isn't going to serve you well. It doesn't suit you. It doesn't work for you because you're a Christ follower. So let's talk about now what would have to happen, not the details of what to do, but how about if we talk about how you can actually seek Christ in a practical way to depend on him in this moment or in the next moment when your son says something like that. Or if he never says it again, how when you're sitting by yourself out on the back porch drinking tea and all of a sudden this memory and you remember what a boneheaded guy you were at that moment, what could Christ do on your behalf at that moment 
to bring you to a place of peace and rest and obedience so you don't go into a downward spiral of, I'm a worthless father. I might as well just end the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that that's where we go with the training. So it's very practical. Cool. How do I turn to Christ in that moment and what he does? Excellent. And then the other things we do in that is is we deal with people. What if I don't have enough faith to turn to Christ? Oh, yeah. How does Christ fix that? I, I, I think I will just absolutely end my life if I have to listen to one more guy say, just go ahead and claim your faith in the name of Jesus. Well, I've done all the claiming I can do, and the truth is is I don't have enough. And it's Christ, and we, so we show people how it is that Christ builds faith in me when I don't even have enough to turn to him when I'm feeling like a worthless dad. You mean so I don't have to beat myself up if I don't have enough faith? Absolutely. Oh, man, that's a relief. Uh, yeah, 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 it's a good plan. Yeah, and, yeah. and then the last thing is this. We all get in a rut, even as believers, we get in a rut of running the same stuff over and over again. So the other thing we help you see is what Christ does to get you out of that rut. And, it's, and it, it's an amazing thing he does. And here's the uh, spoiler alert. He actually uses your failure to get you to a place of obedience, and he uses your failure to get you a place of faith. So the greatest qualifier, and we impact this for folks, and we help you how to show you how to impact it for others. What do I actually communicate to someone to show them the work that Christ is going to do to use the depths of my worst failure to take me, and it's not just because I get educated or I somehow, wow, that was really stupid. Because I, there's been plenty of things I've done I've recognized as stupid, and I've had no power to change them. And I've had no faith to trust Christ. So what does Christ do when I'm at that place to actually take me to a place of obedience that sticks? So that's what we do in the second question. Questions about that or all comments? So um – um, one of my th- one of the things that uh, I'm really good at is failing. So, are you saying that I'm I don't have to be afraid of my failure? Or that I can actually that that Christ will actually use all of my failures for advancing or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that I don't that I don't have to stop trying to fail. Uh, right. See, here's the problem, and people have said this a lot smarter than me for years. If I focus on getting rid of all the failure in my life, mm-hmm. uh, all my focus will be on that, and I won't be I won't be trusting Christ. So that's one thing. But yes, absolutely, my failure is the path to coming into deep faith and great obedience. So, so you're are you saying you really want a bunch of failures coming to this training program? That's the only people I want coming to this. Program. All right, I, <laughs> I qualify. <laughs> uh, so that's sort of the, that's sort of the second question. Any any comments from anybody else? I mean, I again, I'm the guy that goes on and on. No, I think I'm good. Okay, I think you're explaining Terry, everything. Any thoughts? No, it's awesome. I yeah. Mean. Well, the last thing I want to tell you about is this, and this, and then the last question we cover is that third question, which was. Uh, uh, you know, how do I stay on track or how does Christ keep me on track or when mm-hmm. I go off track, how yeah. do I get back on track? Uh, honestly, this is my favorite part of the training because it answers the questions because well, here's what happens. We all, we begin to understand how Christ works in our life and how he uses my failure. And then we bump into stuff because we go, well, how come this is not working? Uh, it, it, so I, I've got all this information on how come this thing's not working. And uh, so the last part of it talks about some very key concepts, and it just answers the question, how, uh, oh, no, I went off track. How, how, how come? Well, one of the things we talk about is Christ has this way of turning everything backwards. 
And so one of his teachings is, is uh, if you want to gain life in this life, you have to lose life. And so we talk about what's that actually look like because he wasn't talking about heaven or hell there. He's talking about right now. Mm. So how? So I actually have to add loss to my life to actually experience the abundance of life, Christ's full life. And we talk about what that looks like. And so for me, for Steve, for you, in that situation that you brought up with your son, you actually saved your life by doing the blaming thing. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. your yeah. reputation. Yeah. Okay, it's not me. It's my son. And so you actually saved yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, you're right on. And so, but to lose life might look like a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like going to my son and say, you know what? Even if only, as you were saying, Terry, even if only one piece of that is right, if only one, if my son accused me of 10 things and the one there was only one thing that was legit to go and say, hey, listen, you know, that's completely right. And I want you to know I'm going to I'm actually going to seek the Lord about that. That would be mm-hmm. one of many examples. Here's the other thing we talk about. Back to the unique self-test. What's losing life for you is completely different than what it would be for Terry. Mm-hmm. And what's losing life for Noah is completely different than what it would be for me. And so part of your job, if you will, when you're working with someone is to help them uniquely understand what losing life looks like. Not to give them a list of what to do, but to recognize what losing life looks for them in any given situation. So, so you're, you're using the word losing life in a, quote, good way. Yeah. Like if I lose my life, then I really find it. Yeah. You gain life. Okay. So, I, so, that, so that it's important for me to lose life. Yep. To lose my life. Yeah. To gain life. Absolutely. Okay. And so, and, and all I'm really losing is the way I think life is supposed to work. Yeah. And uh, I'm not that smart, and neither is anybody else listening to this podcast. And so that's one thing. Another thing we talk about is how do I deal with the temptation that comes from the enemy? And, and, uh, and I'm not going to go into that right now, but what the, what's that actually look like? Because, you see, whatever answer I give has to depend on a work from Christ. Because the truth is, every one of you have been in a situation where you've been hammered enough, you've been tempted enough to go in a particular way that you finally just yielded the thing. And so we talk about that. Uh, my favorite part of the whole thing is when we talk about how anything, and this is the way I say it, anything times Jesus is a win. Now, all I'm doing is trying to be clever. All I'm really saying is this. If you multiply the effort of Christ with my success, my failure, what I can do, what I can't do, anything that happens in the life, all the people in this life that offend me, when you multiply his effort times those people, he orchestrates that into moving me along in the way I should go. So you see that everything in this life works for me. And so we talk about how you encourage people, because the truth is if somebody's coming to you for discipleship or counsel, there's crazy hard things happening in their life. And it's a difficult thing to hear your son say, you, you completely, you missed it. You screwed my whole life up and so on and so forth, whatever it was he, he happened to say. And I've had that experience with my son. Well, so uh, when you're in a place like that, you, they need hope that there's very specific things Christ is going to do in spite of your own failure, in spite of your own stupidity, that's going to move you and, quite frankly, even the people that are offending you or that you've messed up into a whole different place. It looks at what Christ does to all the people around you to release his amazing life into other people's life. 
So that's really where, what the training does. But again, we, we teach people how you take a person's history, know their story, be sensitive to that, understand their unique self, and to actually give them practical help about how they trust Christ and what Christ will do on their behalf to move on. That's great, Tim. So how often do you offer this training? Well, it, uh, we offer it as, as often as people will be willing to come. We usually offer it at least a couple of times a year. We do primarily, we do the training in Hagerstown, Maryland, which is just outside the Washington, D.C., uh, Baltimore area. Sometimes we have fee- people call us up, and, and it's not necessarily a church, but a group of people in an area that actually want to just sit down with people one-on-one. So you'll go to uh, oh, their locations if you need to. Absolutely. And we're not, honestly, when we do the training, even at the office, we try to keep not more than 10 people in the training. Okay. And, uh, so, if a, so if, for example, if uh, we got a group of ten people from here in Colorado that wanted to come back, we could, we could either just go all back together and uh-huh. do a group training right there with you, absolutely, um, or possibly you could come out come here, here but, right? Absolutely, and so it's a, it's either way, it's fine. And then, how much does that cost if we come to you? Well, if you come to us, this is the way we work it. It's ten dollars a day for incidental snacks, those kinds of things like that. There's plenty of restaurants really close, so you just buy your own food. We give you a place to stay. It's not the Taj Mahal, but it's a, it's a comfortable bed to sleep in. And, uh, and then we let you pay what the Lord lays on your heart in terms of training. This is our heart, to see people all over the U.S. sitting down with people. And if you have a gift in teaching, then fine, teach it, sharing how to trust in Christ on a daily basis. Uh, we've had people give us 20 bucks, and we've had people give us $2,000. Uh, and as we would say, listen, you seek the Lord, and we'll trust him for whatever happens with that. All that, of course, goes to support Abiding Life Ministries and, and what we do. And then how many hours go into each day of this we, training? We do a minimum, a minimum of eight. Okay. To be honest with you, most times it usually averages out about ten. Mm-hmm. If the group can tolerate it, we'll do twelve. And I know that sounds like a lot, but it's not all just me myself or my wife Karen doing the training because the format for the training goes like this we take an idea and we do teaching about it we give you a chance to take notes about that then we literally send you off immediately to go talk to each other about it and sort of halfway present it because we Mm, use diagrams mm -hmm. and things like that and what happens when you go off to try to present it to each other you go I have no idea what I'm talking about I mean, it forces you to just sort of think through the big idea of it. Then we come back and you ask questions, and that's a module. So we have many of those modules, so it's not all just a bunch of words coming at you. Then the other learning tools we use, at the end of the whole thing, not before, we give you a detailed, literally, script. Not that you'll follow the script, but a script of what we said, so you can sort of have the information in the in the in the way we do it mm-hmm. or, or how the flow of the thing goes. And then the last thing you do when you go back home before you come to training, we ask you to give no disrespect to people, a guinea pig, somebody that probably knows you that's willing to listen to you suffer through you presenting this to them. Right. Well, that's and, a great idea. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then the bottom line, though, you know, you said, so how many hours? It's, it's 10 to 12 hours. Okay. Uh, but for it's for four days, so we try to get as much bang for our buck, and we give you breaks and that kind of thing like that. And but you, we do it with other people because you have a chance to share about it, and you can come and say this doesn't make any sense to me at all. To be honest with you, some folks come and they go, "Oh my, 
oh my, and they see something, they recognize something for themselves, like we were talking about at the beginning, they go, I've really got to think through this. Mm-hmm. But then you go back, and then the last part of the tool is this. We would love it, and we do have people do this all the time that go through training. They end up getting with somebody, and they go, I have no idea where to go next, or I'm really confused, or I don't understand, or you didn't talk about this. What did you do? Why didn't you tell me this was coming? We would be thrilled if you called and said, help. Can we help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Help. Yeah. can we think through that? Well, that's great. What a, what a fantastic tool, Tim. Yeah. Thanks so much for offering that and having that available to us. And it I, it really does remind me of Terry's Terry's guitar <laughs> ukulele, or banjo ukulele that, uh, you know, I've known about it, but I haven't really known, recognized the, you know, all you've done and all that's available to all of us. So yeah. thanks a lot for doing that. Yeah, and if I can, just give one P.S. to this whole thing is this. Uh the best compliment we've ever had is people come to training, they go back home, they go through their guinea pig, and when they get done, God does an amazing thing. There are some people, the, the really detailed people, followed exactly in the format that we've given them to follow, but there's been just as many people that God gives them a recognition, a revelation, and they develop this whole other way to present the message of trusting Christ. And they call us up and say, well, you know, we don't do it the way you do it at all anymore. And to that we say, amen. I mean, really, it, it's the heart because what they've done is taken it in from themselves. And now God has developed something in them so they can really share the message of Christ. And that's all we really care about. Yeah, that's beautiful. I only I have just a couple of things just so we get it all, all information sure. out there. So say I have a group of people, maybe even just five. Mm-hmm. Uh how much how much would you charge for you to come out would it just be me paying for your flight just get us there okay that's it yeah and then get your room somewhere yep Yep. okay and we'll stay in somebody's house i mean you don't have to necessarily spend any money on a hotel that Mm -hmm. kind of thing like that i prefer doing the training with my wife Uh, she's not always available to come uh, she gives a, a really interesting perspective mm. uh, on all this as well. Okay. But that's not a have to. Sometimes yep. the expenses are just not there. Okay. And then um, when is your next training? Uh, Do you have dates on that uh, at all? Yeah. I think the next one's October 12 to 15. That's just coming October. October. 12 to 15. Okay. And that's in Hagerstown, Maryland. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Right. And where would they go to sign up for that? Uh, well, they can uh, go to the website. I think that's going to – it may actually be on the website right now. Okay, abidinglife.com. Uh, abidinglife.com. Yep. They, there's a form on there, just a contact form, mm-hmm. so you can ask for information there. You can also uh, email myself or my wife. My email is abiding.tim.lester at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. My wife is Karen Almy, K-A-R-E-N-A-L-M-I, at gmail.com. Uh, you can send an email to that, or you can contact us by phone, 301-992-7306 or 301-992-9897. That's the offices there okay. in Hagerstown, Maryland. Okay. Or Good. you can call the Abiding Life office here in, in Colorado as well. Yeah, and what I like, too, is uh, what books did you say they needed to read before? Sidetracked in the Wilderness uh-huh. and uh, Problems, God's Presence, and Prayer. Okay. And it would be really good if they would go ahead and purchase the unique self-test uh, book, which is the uh, Heavenly 
profile. discipleship. Yeah, yeah, heavenly discipleship. Yeah, uh, which is the profile taking the test, right before they come because that's part of the prerequisites. Mm. Yeah, and what I like too is I believe both those books are on audio, so for yeah. everyone like myself who don't enjoy reading, mm. or if you just drive a lot, you can listen to it while you you're driving, right. which is nice to get right. prepared. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I. Uh, it's a very memorable experience because I remember going through one of these trainings in mm-hmm. 2003, mm-hmm. and uh, I still remember. The main thing I remember is uh, doing the the role model, uh, where you sit down and take each other's histories, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of intimidating at first, uh, but yeah, it's it's very important. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's great. You got anything else, Steve? I just want to say thank you, all. I, I it's so great to be with you, Tim, and. To get to know Terry a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, and I always love being with Noah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's we've gone through a lot together, and uh, uh, thing I, I just love about Noah is uh, just how genuine he is, and uh, I always feel like when I'm uh, talking to him or just listening to him that. Uh, yeah, you know, he 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 probably wouldn't agree with this, but it's like I just get to I just get to connect with right right with the heart of Christ, and yeah. I just enjoy that. So yeah. thanks so thanks for having us, Noah, and thanks yeah. for putting on these podcasts. I think they're important, and yeah. Yeah. you're bringing a lot of important things to light that that are valuable for all of us in mm-hmm. in our abiding life community and and for the world at large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank you guys for being honest. It's you yes. know, podcasts wouldn't even be possible if people aren't honest when they get on here. So. Thanks, guys. I agree. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that'll end this podcast, uh, and we'll make more, I'm sure. All right, have a good day. Bye.